All right, Victor, you ready? I'm ready. Y'all ready? All right, we're going to be in 2 Timothy, verse, chapter 3, verse 16. If you need time to get that, that's cool. Just let us know. You need a little time. Ain't no judgment here. And when you there, say amen. Online, when you there, say amen. I mean, type amen, my bad. <laughs> All right, if you right. there, say amen. If you're not there, say hold up. We'll wait on you. All right, we're going to wait on you. All right. All right, ready or not, we're going to go. Second Timothy. That's right. Chapter 3, verse 16. That's right. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable. Yep. Profitable. You're doing good. I help you with English or you help me with Spanish. It's all good. Go okay. Ahead. For teaching, for reproof, for correcting, and for training in righteousness. Amen. Español. Toda la escritura es inspirada por Dios y útil para enseñar, para redarguir, para corregir, para instruir en justicia. Amén. All right. Let's pray one more time. Father, we thank you for your word. Now we pray, Father, as we submit ourselves to the authoritative word of God, that you would bless our time together. And you would do what only you can do, and that is change and transform and convict and make us into the image of Jesus. We ask this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, What is the guide the church has always had in every age, church? What is the one thing that has been a light to our path? What book has been used to combat sin and reform society? For a greater good. Some of the most prolific anti-racists were inspired by the Bible to fight for freedom, justice, and equality. Everyone from Sojourner Truth and Harriet Tubman to Frederick Douglass and William Wilberforce leveraged the scriptures as a great asset. Friends and family, do not underestimate, and I say this as clearly as I can, do not underestimate the power of the Word of God. I want to preach from this thought, Bethel Gary in the Word. Bethel Gary in the Word. It is important we understand how important the Word is in these tumultuous times. We live in a postmodern world that rejects the idea of absolute truth. Many people have abandoned the idea of searching for true interpretation of the scriptures. Let me say that again. Many people have abandoned the idea or the motivation to, or the work to search for the true interpretation of scripture. And by the way, the meaning of the scripture is not in your interpretation it's actually in the text. And many reject the word of God because of religious men 
who have exploited their power have oppressed and marginalized people with the scriptures. People have misused it. It's hard for people to fathom the importance of the word when all they can see when they hear the Bible is powerful, legalistic, religious zealots. But it's important to note that the same word misused to support things like chattel slavery is the same word when used rightly overturn chattel slavery. Okay, you didn't hear me. Let me say it again. The same word that was misused to encourage chattel slavery is the same word when used correctly overturn chattel slavery. The word is being misused even today for the mistreatment of brothers and sisters in the LGBTQIA society. But the same word will be used to fight for their dignity without confirming the lifestyle. The more committed to understanding the scriptures we are, the more submitted to his authority we become. The more committed we are to understanding the scriptures, the more submitted we will become to the scriptures. The more acquainted we become to the scriptures, the more committed we will become to the scriptures. The deeper we go into the scriptures, the more committed we will become to the scriptures. The more we fall in love with the word of God, the more committed we're going to be to the word of God. There's something about knowing the word, not just reading the word, not just studying the word. But is anybody in the room ever had a real relationship with the word of God, a depth of understanding with the word of God, that it wasn't just the Bible sitting up on your shelf, but that was your life source sitting up on the shelf. This was no longer, no, I wasn't just doing my devotion so that I'll be good with God. I start doing my devotion. Devotions, but because without God, I couldn't survive without him. I'm talking about a real relationship with the word of God. Not giving the Bible a little touch as you go on to go do what you really want to do. I'm talking about people that pause and they got to swim in the Bible. Some, have you ever lingered over the Bible? I mean, you just couldn't go anywhere. I mean, just linger there. I mean, this thing right here is doing something for me. The Word of God is a powerful source. And the more committed to understanding the Scriptures, the more submitted to His authority we become, and the more we will see the most important words in this universe, in this world, as not the words on social media. The most important words in the universe is not what another human being has to say. The most important words in the universe is not found on Fox News and CNN. Now, those are not the most important words. The most important words in the universe, the words that matter the most, the words that shall weigh on your soul more than any other words are the words of God. Are the words of God. The most important words are the words of God. And you say, why? Well, for many reasons. The Bible is the most important words for us. But one being is how the Bible is the way an invisible God discloses himself to, invisible, to visible people. The word of God 
is how an invisible God discloses himself to visible people. When God discloses himself, we call this church Revelation. God makes himself known to you. This is called Revelation. And literally, it means to reveal. It means to reveal. Now, let me pause there for a moment. If you had an opportunity to see God, to know God, would you take advantage of knowing God? And I hope the answer is yes. And what the Bible is doing is it's revealing God to you. It's making him known to you. The deepest way, the most, the most consistent way to know God is through the word of God. Now, a lot of people say they hear from God. I'm not here to argue that. But what I am here to argue is the one source that we can most certainly guarantee, most certainly trust, is the Bible. Okay, so let's rehearse how God reveals himself. The revelations of God. God, number one, reveals himself through the world. This is what it says in Romans chapter 1, verse 20. For his invisible attributes, namely his internal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. Did you see it? The way that God reveals himself is through the things that he has made. Now watch the last phrase, so they are without excuse. Creation is telling us something about God. A dark sky with stars is telling you something about God. Blossoming flowers are telling you something about God. By the way, if that doesn't rock your boat, the people in this room are telling you something about God. You are sitting next to, you are in a room with people with, inte with intellects that, that can conversate with you, that have emotions. Now, you may not like all of them, but nevertheless, they still speak. Just keep looking at me. They still speak. you like, Pastor, you don't know them. See, you don't know them. I'm telling you, this person don't tell you about God. They tell you about the devil. They don't tell. No, I'm just playing. I'm just playing. Y'all ain't going to be real. Okay, that's all good. Uh, this world was spoken into existence. God spoke it into existence. God said words in the physical realm came to be. When the last time you spoke something and something came into existence? If it did, you wouldn't go to work tomorrow. Million dollars in my account right now, somebody. Amen, somebody. God said, let there be light, and what happened? Light came. Let there be light in the expanse of the heavens. Let us make man in our image. In creation, God spoke words, and by divine power, the spoken word created the physical realm. That is a mighty God. And in and through creation, God embedded revelation about himself so that when you look at creation, you will look past the creation to the creator and say, man, whoever made this is dope. Whoever made this is amazing. Whoever made this is far beyond anything that I can ever comprehend. Whoever made this it's amazing. We do it all the time. We see a nice car that we like, and we like, man, they did that. 
We see some nice shoes we like, and we like, man, they did that. We see some nice jewelry that we like. We say, man, they did that. And sometimes we talk about it over and over. We plaster our Facebook pages with the creation of man. But how much more the creation of God? Are you amazed? Are you shocked? I mean, like, are you rocked by it? It's so easy to get so used to talking about these things that we're no longer amazed by these things. I look at creation and I say, God did that. And then I go beyond creation and I say, man, I wonder what he's like. I wonder how great he is. I mean, y'all know this. I look at animal planet and I'm just, throw, I'm just, I'm just gone. I mean, like, like, I mean, like one day I was just, I was just watching animal planet and I seen this little spider come down on his like, a slippery, poisonous plant with a little poison in the bottom, and the little bugs go on the plant, and they go down into like this little puddle, and the and the little bug dies, and the itsy bitsy spider comes down and plucks the bug out, and I'm like, who made that? <laughs> who in the world thought of that? <laughs> That's why he got the poison at the bottom to kill him. The first raid right there in the plant. God did that. Amazed by that. Or at least you ought to be. Creation continues to speak as the heavens declare the glory of God. We see that in Psalms 19. And the whole earth is full of his glory. That's Isaiah 6. God reveals himself through creation. But secondly, God reveals himself through the Son of God. Jesus is the incarnate word of God. Hebrews says it this way. Long ago and many times in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. Jesus is divine revelation. His teachings are divine teachings. His, li his life was and is a divine life. Much we could say here, but our focus is on the Bible at Bethel Church. This is the third kind of revelation. Not only Jesus, which I would love to camp out there, not only the world, but the word of God is the way that God reveals himself. God spoke words and God wrote words down. We believe the Bible is God's written word. The message is not a, this message is not a defense of the Bible as God's word, but more an explanation of the Bible's role in our church. If you are interested in the argument for this, a good start would, would be Erin Lucer's seven reasons why you can trust the Bible. The Bible comes from the word that means book. It literally, it, it really is a collection of books and letters, 66 books total. Anybody know how many books in the Old Testament? How many in the New? Look at y'all. Got scholars in the room. There it is. Y'all just showing off. Y'all could have just got the wrong answer on purpose, but y'all won't show off. I should have preached on pride this morning. No, I'm just messing around. <laughs> I'm just a little jokey joke. I'm just messing around. But these were written over a span of 15.
100 years by 40 different people in three different languages. I love this stuff. This is crazy how accurate the Bible is given the way that, the way that it came together. It was written over a 1,500-year period by 40 different people in three different locations. The Bible is written in many different styles or types or literature, yet in astounding unity of messages and themes. Imagine 40 people writing about anything and there being cohesion or unity. I mean, we can't even agree on mass and no mass. I mean, this whole racial thing, we got issues with that. We can't even get on the same page. Can you imagine over 1,500 years, 40 different people in different locations all coming and to speak about the same thing and everything to align exactly? That is a miracle within itself. The Old and the New Testament form the canon of Scripture, providing a sure foundation for faith, life, and for God's people. I'm summarizing the Bible at Bethel. I want to I summarize the Bible in four words. Truth, authority, inspiration, and sufficiency. Let me say it again. I want to break the Bible down in four ways. Truth, authority, inspiration, and sufficiency. We start with truth. In Jesus' high priestly prayer, he summarized the entire witness of the Bible to his own truthfulness when he said, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. What's tricky here is how he defines truth. Like Pilate's, I like Pilate's response to Jesus. Jesus said that he came to bear witness to the truth. The Roman governor summarizes humanity's problem when he responds, what is truth? What is truth? Indeed, that is a huge question, particularly uh, in our day. Your truth doesn't have to be my truth, is what we hear. And any claim to truth is crazy. Or you're arrogant. Our world denies any truth that claims to be true for all times and everyone. We live in a post-truth world. According to the dictionary, post-truth means relating to or denoting circumstances in which objective facts are less influential in shaping public opinion than appeals to emotions and personal belief. Friends, without truth, we get nowhere in society. Without truth, we get nowhere in society. A society without truth is chaos. A society without absolute truth is chaos. It is not harmony. It is not peace. It is chaos. Each person governs themselves based on what they believe truth is. That's chaos. <laughs> I don't care how you put it. In fact, I learned this from my 15-year-old daughter. Yes, I did. Yep, she taught me a lesson. I told my daughter, I said, Kyla... Go pull the weeds. That's what I told him. I said, go pull the weeds. I'm talking about the weeds in the ground. Y'all don't get the words mixed up. Y'all know how y'all, I know who I'm preaching to. I went outside, and some weeds were pulled, but not all. I said, Kyla, why haven't you pulled all the weeds? She says, I did. Kyla, what are these then? Those are not weeds, Daddy. Those are plants. 
say, I say, you want to run that at me again? You want to you you point out to me which one's flowers and which one plants? He said, Daddy, those are plants. Kyla, those are weeds. Dad, those are not weeds. No, Kyla, you want them to be flowers so you don't have to pull them. But tell you what, because it's my house in my garden, I declare they are weeds. Now pull them. Friends, this is God's world, and he gets to determine what's weeds and what's flowers, and we don't get to tell him differently. If God says it's weeds, they're weeds. If he says they're flowers, they're flowers. In fact, if God looks at a flower and says that it's a weed, guess what the flower is going to do? It's going to turn into a weed. That's how, that's how much he's truth. That when he declares something, it becomes the very thing that he wants it to be because God is the very essence of truth. Before anything else was, it was him. And if there's going to be any positive changes in society, it has to, it has to, it has to, it must be, it must be, it must be. Are you hearing me? It must be anchored in truth. Let me give you an example. The civil rights movement rooted itself in the fact that all people are created equal. Where did they get that from? The word of God. One of the ways blacks were oppressed was by keeping them from reading God's word. Watch it. One of the ways... That you oppress society as you got to remove God. And the way you remove God is you got to remove the word. Or you at least, at the very least, got to get people not to read it. Which is why when the preacher gets done preaching, you ought to go read your own word to make sure that he's preaching the word of God. We're swept away by Facebook memes. They say something about Adam and Eve, and we're gone. We do no research, and then we got the nerve to share it. And some of the videos, some of y'all be sending me, oh, my goodness. I'm not even going to go down that road. Uh, y'all stop inboxing me some of the videos, though. Uh, but they kept them from reading the word of God. However, watch this. As they learn to read, especially the word of God, the more powerful they became. The more they understood the word, the more powerful they became. They realized the Jesus they read and the Jesus they were taught were not the same people. You ever, you, you, I mean, you, you ever been in that situation where, where you had a revelation from God, a preacher, you've been listening to that, t, that, that Christian television sh, uh, show, and, and, and then all of a sudden, you, I ain't going to say no names, I ain't going to put no pastors out, but, 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 but you finally go open up the word for yourself, and you had that butter rum moment. You, you, you look at it and you say, now, 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 now preacher, that's not there now. No, that's, that, that's not there. Or have you ever had that moment where the, where, where the thing that you were standing on all your life, you find, you find out or you discover that it was actually wrong? 
Truth is powerful. The word is powerful. Even in Martin Luther's day, the 16th century, they didn't want people to be able to read the word on their own. In fact, they did not want the Bible to be translated in English. In fact, people were being burned alive before they would allow them to translate the word in English. So that Bible that you got in your hand, the one that some of us barely want to read, people died in order for you to be able to read the word of God. People were burned alive in order for you to read the word of God. And why didn't the people in power not want them? Why did the church not want them to read the word of God? Because this kept people docile and abused in a perpetual system of abuse. And how did both Martin Luther and Martin Luther King help people get free? They preached the truth of the word. That's all you got to do with the word of God. All you really got to do is, all you really got to do is preach the word of God. You don't have to defend the word of God. One person said it like this. You don't have to defend a lion. You just set it loose. It's the same thing with the word of God. You ain't got to defend the word of God. Just set the word of God loose and let it do what it does. Because God said that his word will not come back void. They preach the truth of the word. Stop fighting people with the news and CNN and FB memes and use the word of God. I'm not saying there's no truth outside of the Bible. Don't get me wrong. But what I am saying is that you will not find truth outside of the Bible that contradicts the Bible. And here's the reality. No matter how much we wish truth would just go away, it ain't going to happen. I said it just like that. It ain't going to happen. How do you know that, preacher? Because God can't die. Truth can't go nowhere because God can't go anywhere. Truth can't die because God can't die. Truth has a name, and it's Jesus. But here's what we face today, according to Razu Berry. Postmodernism, conversely, teaches that there is no absolute truth that one should strive to discover. Truth to the postmodernists, like Ben Bow and Wesley, is self-referential, relative and absolute truth, unknowable. As a result of their postmodernist worldview, looking within oneself is trusted far more than some external source of purported truth. This is the origin of well-worn phrase, live your truth. This is the dominant worldview of the day. You know, sometimes even the church turns on truth. Let me let that sit for a minute. You know, sometimes the church turns on truth. Yes, it does. It starts, how does it start? It starts by the church making herself equal to the word of God. The church must remember, she is not the truth. She worships the truth. And oftentimes, the church either begins to put itself on the same level as the word of God or it puts itself over the word of God. And you need to beware of churches and preachers who call themselves equal to the word of God or put themselves over 
the word of God. I was actually watching a Netflix show. I think it was called Waco or something like that, where the guy calls himself equal to the word of God and misleads hundreds of people. No man, no woman, no boy, no girl might as well do it. No cat and no dog is over the word of God. Everyone has to get up under it. And everyone is held accountable by it. There's no circumventing it. This leads us to the authority of the word of God. It's one thing to say something is true. It's another thing to submit to it. Uh-oh, y'all couldn't say amen, say ouch. It's one, it's one thing to say the Bible is the truth. Come on, y'all. It's a whole nother thing to submit to the word of God on Monday. Am I lying? Am I lying? Am I lying? Some of y'all got some stuff in y'all soul right now. It's coming up. Go ahead and swallow. It's okay. There's some things that you've been trying to negotiate with. Now, did God really say? Who that sound like? It's one thing to hear the preacher preach and say Amen. It's another thing when you got to apply the word of God. And a lot of us like to hear the word of God to the point that at least it makes us feel better and we can check off that we heard it. But God is not impressed by you just hearing the word. God wants you to submit to the word. And submitting going to take the power of the Holy Spirit, every angel there is to get us to submit to the word of God. No, I'm just playing. All you need is the Holy Spirit. Some people view the Ten Commandments at the, as the Ten Suggestions. Them ain't commandments, them suggestions. That's up to you. Live your truth. How you doing with that? Some people look at them as good principles, good ideas. Commandments mean authority and accountability. As an example, I may know what the speed limit says, but do I view it as an authority over me and not? Now, you go like five minutes old. I mean, like five miles old. No, let me stop. Let me stop. Let me not be saying stuff up here. It, qu- it quickly goes from suggesting to commandment the moment you see a police officer. Yeah. The, you, y'all, okay, y'all can run all y'all want. You, you, be, you be cruising. The moment you see that, and some of y'all be on y'all phone, so... Like me, um, I need to do better. And y'all be cruising. The moment you see that, that oh, you need new brakes the next day. That's how hard y'all stop. <laughs> and then you find out that that um, Crown Victoria is uh, is is not a cop. It's a it's a grandma driving the car. And you, you're like, oh, okay. Because oh, sometimes you don't know. You really don't know. You don't know if it's the cop or you you know you don't know. You know they they need to make one car one car designated to cops. That's it. Y'all can be messing with my heart like that. <laughs> But on the other hand, we could become like Derek, who killed George Floyd, who thought of himself beyond the law. Surely he thought this. Surely this was his conclusion. Surely he felt this in his soul. Surely he did it. What other explanation for you putting your neck in somebody's 
uh, uh, putting your knee on somebody's neck for eight minutes? What other explanation in broad daylight didn't that you think that you are beyond the law, that you are beyond authority? And friends, the, the thing that I'm trying to point out is the moment we exalt ourselves over the authority, the moment we exalt ourselves over the word of God is the moment chaos happens. It is the moment that people are mistreated. It is the moment that people are oppressed. It is the moment that we put ourselves over the word of God that sin tends to have its way in our marriages, in our friendships, in our churches. God didn't give us the word because he didn't love us. God didn't give us the word because he was trying to take our joy away from us. God gave us the word because God knows better than us. And the things that God is giving you is not to crush you or to discourage you or to oppress you. But instead, God gave us the word so that we can flourish, so that we can blossom, so that we can have joy, so that we can have peace. I wish I had some people that knew that when they obeyed the word and walked in the word, that they found that God's ways are better than your ways. How many people found out that you're not as smart, as smart as you thought that you were, that you're not smarter than God, you're not wiser than God, you don't know more than God. At some point in your life, You're going to have to declare, not just with your lips, but with your feet and with your hands, that I'm not smarter than you, God. I got to submit to you because you know way better than I do. And every time I go my own way, every time I do my own thing, I end up at a dead end. I end up in a place I don't want to be. The more we disregard God, the further we get away from him, the more chaos that comes in. The more darkness that comes in, the more we lose our mind, the more we lose our peace. And when we are backing away from it, we got to realize that you're in danger. You're not in safety. And all the difference in marriages that build their marriage on the word of God, all the difference. All the difference of churches that submit to the word of God. All the difference. All the joy in those who submit to the word of God. All the joy, church. All the wisdom of those who submit to the word of God. There is no replacing the word of God in your life. An old society that obeys the word of God. Oh, the difference. Night and day. Polar opposites. The word of God is important. The church has uh, some choices to make. The, choice, the, the church can be organized in one of four ways. Church over scripture, one of three ways. Church next to scripture. Scripture over the church. It summarizes the authority structure options. The church over scripture is an option, although I am unaware of any branch 
of Christianity that overtly practices this. Church and scripture is equal is the belief of the Roman Catholic Church and other ancient churches. They call it tradition, which means interpretation and teaching decrees over the centuries that they are viewed with equal authority as scripture. By the time you get to the 16th century, the church equal with scripture has produced terrible abuse of authority and horrific doctrines. I'm going to slow down here because I need you to catch this. Two things normally flow from the church when it exalts itself over scripture. Bad doctrine and the mistreatment of image bearers. It's only two things that's flowing out of it. Bad doctrine and the mistreatment of image bearers. Let's look at Martin Luther and Martin Luther King again. Martin Luther had to fight for good doctrine in the church. And Martin Luther King had to fight for justice in the church. Now watch it again. Martin Luther had to fight for justice in the church. And Martin Luther King had to fight for good doctrine in the church. Usually abuse of people flows from bad doctrine. Injustice flows from bad doctrine or the failure to submit to good doctrine. And the only way to bring it into check is by the authoritative word of God working through the Holy Spirit. Historically, the Bible has been an indispensable tool for black liberation. Beloved, for its, its, its countercultural empowering of black identity. Now let me pause here for a minute. Just in case you think that I'm saying that the Bible is only for black folks. That's not what I'm saying. It's clearly the Bible is for black people, white people, Asian people, any kinds of people. The Bible is for everybody. But when we have a situation when a particular ethnic group is not being treated right, black brothers, white brothers, Asian brothers ought to get together and stand on the word of God collectively and say, this should not be. That's what ought to flow from our hearts and from our souls. When we're reading the word of God correctly and succinctly together, this is what ought to flow out of it. The word of God is how you put things back in check. But getting mankind to submit to the word, that's not always easy. It's not always easy. What happens when you try to get evil people to submit to the authority of scripture? Well, Martin Luther... They wanted to silence or burn him alive. People don't take well to the word of God all the time. No, people will kill you. <laughs> they will kill you. What about Martin Luther King? They tried to silence him, but they couldn't. So what did they do? They killed him. This is what people do when they cannot accept the word of God. And you're going to do one or two things with truth. You're going to submit to it or you're going to reject it. And when you reject truth, you reject God. Martin Luther nailed 99 theses to the church. And King challenged the church from the scriptures, the fair treatment of blacks. You see, our submission to scripture is proven by both right doctrine and right treatment of people. They go together. You can't say, I got right doctrine, right? A lot of us like to flaunt that. I know the gospel. 
I can, re- I, I, I can lay it out for you. I know expiation and justification. Woohoo, nobody cares. If your doctrine doesn't coexist with right living, it ought to, it ought to produce something. I learned this in my garden. I, I, I don't care about planting the seed if I never see a flower. Not impressed. I want to see something blossom. I want to see something come of it. I can do all the right, I can, do, I, I can know all the right information about planting flowers, which I'm not good at at all. Half of them are dead. <laughs> but right doctrine ought to lead to right living. And if you forsake either, you are not submitting to Scripture. If you do not submit to right doctrine and right living, you are not submitting to Scripture. Period. Both Martins used the word to speak truth to power and those subjects to power by appealing to the ultimate power. You see, they used the truthful, authoritative word to reform society. You see why both doctrines are important, both truth and the authority of Scripture? We need the word, friends. We cannot seek justice or change without the word. But there's a third one, inspiration. This is one of the most important doctrines in Christianity and therefore in our church. We firmly believe that God is the source of every word in the Bible. Here's 2 Timothy 3, 16 through 17. All scripture is what? Breathed out by God. Profitable for what? For what? Reproof and for? And for training in? That the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good Work. All scripture is breathed out by God. What is that? It's what we all know about speech. It requires you to breathe out. When you speak, you breathe out. Try to speak breathing. Try try to speak breathing. It sounds terrible. We speak breathing out and breathing produces our words. The inspiration of scripture is the connection between what human authors wrote and the real source of scripture. Here's what 2 Peter says. Knowing this, first of all, that no prophecy of scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of who? Man. But man spoke from God as they were carried along by what? The Holy Spirit. Was the Bible written by God or man? It was written by both. But the origin was God who so moved the writers of Scripture that what they wrote was exactly the will of God. It is important that we hold true to this doctrine. We must remind ourselves that the Bible is God's word, not man's words. If, in fact, a very well-known preacher is arguing that the Bible is not inspired by God, He's released a three-part series called The Bible, which gives a historical analysis of Christian views of the Bible with a clear slant towards his particular progressive perspective. In the series, he rejects sola scriptura and states bluntly, the Bible contains contradictions. People are continually and increasingly rejecting that scriptures are divine. It's important, Bethel Gary, we hold that the Bible is the word of God. Many are saying the slaves held to scriptures out of ignorance, that they didn't know any better. But I believe 
the word held on to them and they couldn't let it go. Because the word of God is living and active. So let's rehearse. The Bible is truth. The Bible is authority. The Bible is inspiration. And lastly, the Bible is sufficient. Talk about the sufficiency of the Bible. The sufficiency of Scripture says that God's word is complete, lacking nothing. We actually need and fully capable of providing truth to believe and live the life to which God has called us to. Do you believe that Scripture possesses everything that you need to live God, a godly life? That God gave us every single thing that we needed for the life that he wanted us to live in the Scriptures. I'm not against you reading other books, but the Bible needs to be your main source. It doesn't contain all there is to know, but it does contain all that is necessary to know, to live life that God expects us to. This is what 2 Peter says. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of who? Him who called us by his own glory. Church, at some point, we have got to understand that the ability to walk in godliness the ability to walk out what God has called us is not more books outside, not more sermons, though these things are good. It is knowing Jesus. The more you know Jesus, the more you're going to walk in godliness and righteousness because Jesus is your power. He is your life. And the more you know him, the more you can live out that which he has called us to do. Which is why I truly believe, even in this conversation with race and justice, that Jesus is still the answer. And I don't say that to, to say that we shouldn't articulate and argue and, and try to understand this social construct called race. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, is that if you're going to understand the solution, you got to understand the one who is the solution. And the more we understand Jesus, the further we'll get down the path in this area, in every other area. The sufficiency of Scripture shows itself at our church everywhere. What is the priority of preaching God's word in the, in, in the content of the sermon? Why do you think whoever gets up here and preach, we spend so much time studying the word of God? If you come to Bethel, you're going to get the word of God preached to you. And if you don't like the word of God being preached to you, you might not want to go here. If you want to hear, if you want some people that's going to give you what your itching ears want to hear, if you want to know how you can get a BMW, this is not the place. If it, it, if you don't want your biases, your ingest biases to be confronted, you may not want to go here. Your feelings and emotions are not our main concern. If you don't want to be confronted and convicted, you may not want to go here. If you want to hear that God loves you more than anyone else in the world because of the square footage of your home, you may not want to come here. 
if you want a gospel that tells you that there's an absence of suffering, you may not want to go here. This may not be the church for you. If you want to, if you want to hear preaching that roots the identity of manhood and womanhood in the mistreatment of one another, you may not want to go here. If you want a gospel that does not challenge you to go into the world and speak up for what is right and to come against systemic oppression, you may not want to go here. Because we're going to preach the word whether you like it or not. And we realize that it may cost us you paying your tithes. But there's a reason that there's a cross at the back of the church and not a pillow. <laughs> they did it to Jesus. What are they going to do to us? If you just say it right, you just do the right words. You just be a little bit more patient. And sometimes those things are true. I don't want anybody turning from Jesus because I'm a jerk. I want them to turn from Jesus because of Jesus. But Jesus is the most loving, most balanced, most perfect, the only perfect person in the world, in history, and they still killed him. Christianity does not always end well for those who submit. I'm not saying you submit to the authority of God's word, everything is going to be all right. It's not what I'm saying. It may not be all right, but it's going to be all right. Oh, come on now. I just found my words out. But it's going to be, oh, snap. Did you hear that, Angie? I said, but it's going gonna, it's gonna to be all right. I wish I could stand right there, but I'm not. I got to keep going. So we do hear what we call expository preaching. What is expository exposition preaching? Exposition, as, Martin, as Marvin Knight puts it, exposition exposes or lays open the Bible to an audience and the audience to the Bible. Exposition is not just a verse-by-verse -verse commentary on a passage. In exposition, the aim is to crystallize the truth set forth and to focus on the main message or point of the passage or text. When true exposition happens, people should always walk away saying, so that's what this passage of Scripture teaches, or that's what God is saying here. A high view of Scripture creates an expectation and appetite in the church for the Bible to be taught accurately, carefully, and passionately. If you ever leave this church, I want you to, to have such a desire for the Word of God that you refuse to just sit up under anything. Amen. That you refuse to sit up under mess. Amen. That you're able to fact check the preacher. Amen. That you're able to look at the Word of God and say, that's not true, that's not right. That you're able to go home and feed your own families. That children's church is not the only place that your children can be discipled, but they can be discipled in your expensive home that you live in. Or your large van and SUV. That it can happen right in there. That you're not always dependent on the pastor to teach your family, but that you can teach your family yourself. That's what we want. That's what we desire. A high view of Scripture creates an expectation and appetite in the church. It also aids in keeping everyone accountable. 
I said it before, I said it again. If the pastor can't be checked by the scriptures, if you can't go to your pastor and say, Pastor, I heard what you preach, I got some questions. If they get an attitude with you, That'd be the last conversation we had. <laughs> I love you, brother. Here's my last tithe. I'm out. Or maybe not. <laughs> At the end of the day, men are men. Women are women, no matter what position they are in. Even the pastor needs to be held accountable. I don't want to not be accountable to the word of God. I know how I am. I know what happened. And it's far better the preacher gives you God's word than his words because my words cannot give you life. Since God's word is what the spirit uses to transform God's people, we need more of it. And some people say, but pastor, we don't need that much word, right? As they go home and watch six hours of football. Well, we don't need it that much. As we watch hours of hours of Facebook. But I'll leave that between you and the Holy Spirit. I love what Nelson Mandela said after being in prison for 27 years. It is never my custom to use words lightly. If 27 years in prison have done anything to us, it was to use the silence of solitude to make us understand how precious words are and how real speech is and its impact on the way people live and die. Friends, if this is true about human words, how much more God's words? God's word doesn't only impact the way we live and die, but if we will live, but it impacts whether we live or die. Friends, God's word is critical in these times. We need his word. We need to hear from God. We often take God's word for granted, but can you imagine not being able to hear the word of God? What darkness would sweep over us? Remember, we didn't know how much, how much we needed fellowship until a pandemic put us in quarantine. And with more and more false teaching rising, it is becoming harder to find preachers that will preach the word of God. But if they will preach the word of God, they will believe in this about the word of God. That it is truth, that it is authority, that it is inspiration, and that it is sufficient. So I leave you with these questions. Do you believe in the word of God? Do you believe that it is authoritative? Would your wife confirm that you believe in the word of God? Would your husband confirm that you believe in the word of God? Would your friends confirm that you believe in the word of God? We should ask ourselves, am I submitting to the word of God? No, no, no. Like really ask yourself, are you submitting to the word of God? Do I believe the Bible is the word of God? Does my life testify to that? Does my social media testify to that? When it comes to subjects like social justice, what is your understanding? Is it coming from the word of God or is it being shaped by the world? When confronted with the word, how do you respond? Is it, I'm not Jesus? Yeah, I knew y'all weren't going to say nothing on that. <laughs> Is it God still working on me? Which is true. But isn't it an excuse to get away from doing the truth? 
God's still working on me, and I ain't got no intentions or plans on letting them work on me. He ain't working on you. <laughs> you a lie and a half. <laughs> uh, I mean, really slow down and examine your heart. Are you really wanting to submit to the word of God? I'm not asking, are you perfect? I'm not asking, do you cross every T and dot, dot every I? Thank God for the gospel of Jesus Christ that he died for all of our sins, that he crossed every T and dotted every I on our behalf. But is there a desire and a motivation such that when you look back on your life, you can see the progress? Or are you the same person you were two years ago? If you're different, then God's working on you. If you're the same, you may need the gospel preached to you once again. Friends, let us continue to use the Bible not just for our devotions, but let's continue to use it to reform society. Let's continue to use the Bible to stand on it in every matter for life and godliness.